I'm asking how's business on the programme this week. Armatrack, one thing, national sales just increasing all the time. Yeah, we see that uh, we've got a very good product range now with the four machines, with the Spirit, the Air Ride, the Harrier and the Predator. More later from two firms who say 2018 has been OK, so much so that they're expanding. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. We start this week with reaction to a story that was actually breaking while we were on air last weekend. The ruling in California, where a jury awarded $290 million to a school groundskeeper who blamed his terminal cancer on exposure to Roundup, or glyphosate. It's already led to DIY chains B&Q and Homebase here, saying they're now reviewing the safety of the weed killers as a direct result of that ruling in the U.S., The NFU Deputy President Guy Smith has questioned the jury's ability to come to such a judgment, given a lack of scientific expertise during the case. As you know, the uh, European Chemicals Agency and the European Food Safety Authority have both already said glyphosate is safe, as with all things, as long as used correctly and indeed in moderation. Uh, What does our agronomist Sean Sparling make of it all then? He's uh, meant to be on holiday this week, but uh, he wasn't due on the programme, but uh, given the events, he was happy to break his break. Uh, Hi, Sean. What does this all mean then? Yep. Good morning, Sean. It doesn't change anything as far as I'm concerned. All the court case in California showed us last week is that that group of lawyers are better at their job than that group of lawyers at convincing 12 lay people that their argument is better than the opponent's. That's all it was about. It wasn't about science. It wasn't about toxicology. It wasn't about fact. It was all about a court case and lawyers. That's all it was about. Now, last year, the relevant authorities in Europe, we had the European Chemicals Agency, the ECHA, the European Food Safety Authority, the EFSA, and other bodies all around the world, the Environmental Protection Agency, the Food Standards Agency, the Chemical Regulation Division of the Health and Safety Executive, the World Health Organization, and their nine or ten subgroups have all carried out in-depth, independent, unbiased government investigations into glyphosate. The best scientific experts in toxicology that the world can supply in over 800 studies have said glyphosate is not a carcinogen. It is not dangerous to humans. It's not mutagenic. It doesn't bioaccumulate. It's not an endocrine disruptor. All of that still stands in over 800 peer-reviewed studies. It's the most investigated active ingredient in world agriculture today. We should listen to those studies. These are not industry studies. These are independent government studies. And those people only exist, their jobs only exist to make sure that the food we eat and the products used on that food are safe to us as consumers and to the environment. That's the only reason they exist. So we should listen to these people. We shouldn't listen on social media. We shouldn't be socially engineered by groups with hidden agendas who drip feed, drip drip false information, conjecture and rumour, which then becomes part of the public conscience who then perceive that to be fact. We should listen to the facts. And the facts of glyphosate are it is not a carcinogen. It is not mutagenic. It is not an endocrine disruptor. It poses no risk to us the way we use it today. These are the people we should be listening to. The court case in California changes absolutely nothing as far as that goes. Nothing has changed. Uh, Not Theresa May, uh, no, the words of our agronomist Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services on that ruling in California last weekend. 
Right, let's move on to some positive news, shall we? The team at House and Sprayers have just unveiled their new expansion, a six-figure investment at the Woodall Spa factory, which means there's now room to test the sprayers as well. Robert Willey is MD there and has talked me through the expansion. Yeah, well, we've, we used to have two sites, one at Leadenham and one at Woodall Spa. But the way the uh, industry is moving now, everything's got to be a higher quality, tried and tested. So at this site, we have a grass field and we have a arable field in which to test the machine. So we had to consolidate here to make sure we're able to do the job better longer term. That's, that's the way the industry is going, isn't it? They say people want better, they want the quality, and they're getting that reassurance here, aren't they? Yeah, and they need to be able to come and try the machines before they buy them or have the training, and the operators got to have the training, so it's all at hand here without having to go on the road. It's through the fence, and so it's perfect for them. How big is the expansion here? Well, we've increased the sort of uh, workshop space by about 30%, so it's not only been the, the main assembly workshop, we've put up a warehouse for better parts control and stocking and also another uh, workshop for doing our pre-owned and uh, customers' machines. Quite quite an investment, then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's taken quite a bit of time and effort and money, of course, to ensure we're able to move forward. But that is obviously a, a positive sign. We often hear... Uh, not negativity, but people are a bit pessimistic as to how the industry is at the moment, but obviously some positivity at last. Yeah, we see that uh, we've got a very good product range now with the four machines, with the Spirit, the Air Ride, the Harrier and the Predator. We've spent a lot of money in R&D over the years getting them to where they are, and we see that now we've got a, a good firm base of products there to meet the farmers' demands, whether in the UK or export as well. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a global market there for you as well, isn't there? Yeah, last year about 40% of our product was exported uh, all around the world, and so we're very pleased with that, and uh, we're, quite, we're very confident it will keep increasing, even with Brexit. Talk us through the Harrier. I know you launched that over the summer. Yeah, the Harrier's been uh, a very, very good machine to us, and like all our products, it's, it's farmer-focused, and it's by working with the customers to ensure we've got a machine that meets their ever-increasing demands. Yeah, as you say, people are wanting more and more, aren't they? And, uh, but for less and less, I guess. Well, no, they, they want a product that does what it says on the packet. So, uh, and uh, we've got to be able to produce that. But the thing you've got to bear in mind, of course, it isn't just a machine, it's the product support, the part supply, and the residual value of that machine is going forward because at the end of the day, it's purely down to cost of ownership. A, a little bit of history for those who don't know about Housham? Housham started uh, via, from a Mr. Len Housham in the 80s uh, and continued. I bought the machine business in 95 with my brother-in-law, which was then based at Lednam, and we've carried on expanding, and I own the company, and it's all based at Woodall Swan. I imagine seen quite a few changes since you started in the mid-90s. Yeah, I mean, things always change, evolving in agriculture. That's what agriculture is, and that's why we all love it. It's sort of uh, you, you don't get bored because you don't know what's sort of coming next. Uh, we're so weather-dependent. Uh, that's what drives us to do what we need to do. Are you affected by the weather? Is Does that affect your business? I mean, certainly the beast from the east affected us very dramatically with people not getting to work, but equally so, the building work wasn't finished, and so we had three months of bad weather when we had shortage of space. So uh, trying to get machines built, because uh, they've all got water in them, they've got to be tested and when you can't t spray out because it's frozen, you're sort of really hampered on what you can do. So now we've got better facilities, uh, so going forward we won't have such an issue in the future. And obviously with the expansion, business going very well. 
Yeah, I mean, nothing's easy. I mean, at the moment, uh, with the dry uh, harvest we're having and the dry time all around the world, it's causing uh, people to consider what they're doing. But at the end of the day, we've got to produce food, we've all got to eat, and so I'm very confident that that will come back. Talked earlier about the global market and the global customers. Will that be affected depending on what happens next March? Uh, it may, it may not, but I mean 40% of our business is export and 60% of their for is in the UK, so it doesn't really affect us too much that if we don't get one, if we lose one, we're going to increase in the other. So it's uh, that's where we view it. Robert Willey of House and Sprayers. Right, on to the latest from Open Field then, our weekly report from Kit Dickinson this week. Morning, Sean. How are you? Uh, good, thank you. How are things in the world of open field? More to the point. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Uh, very good within open field, thank you. Uh, busy, obviously, with harvest yes. and uh, and sampling and everything. Yeah. Uh, week this week, uh, London has lost £10 on the week, thanks to growing confidence in the UK crop number, which is now above 13.5 million metric tonnes, and the sheer volume of imported wheat and corn on the books pre-Christmas. The USDA report came out last Friday and it put world wheat production at a decrease from 736 million tonnes to 729 million tonnes. The main reason for this was an EU reduction. For the US, wheat production has been reduced to 51 million metric tonnes because of yield decrease. The average bushel was 47.4. EU production was estimated at 137.5 million tonnes, down 7.5 million, reflecting drought conditions, especially in Germany. EU wheat usage was reduced by 3 million tonnes and EU wheat exports have been lowered to minus 4.5 to 23 million metric tonnes. EU ending stocks have been reduced by about 10 million tonnes. Wheat production has been raised in Russia based on good spring wheat conditions and despite the downward trade revisions held unchanged for Australia at 22 million tonnes and 25 million tonnes for the Ukraine. Allseed rape. The USDA report put a big negative on allseed rape early this week when the world ending stocks were put up by 30%. This put the market under pressure. Crush margins were also under pressure this week, restricting domestic bids. On Thursday, China trade talks added some support to the soybean market, impacting on the EU, which ultimately brought some support back to the rape market. Barley. Spring barley in the south and the east of the UK is mostly complete with Yorkshire around 50% of the way through. And Scotland has just started, and they have circa 50% cut so far. There has been consistent quality in the south and the east of the UK, but varying the further north you go. Although Scotland has cut a small amount, they are seeing some very high nitrogens in their early samples. Now that we have ended what seemed like a never-ending period of drought, it is important to check the results and ensure that quality is being maintained. The general consensus over the UK is better than expected, and in line or just behind the five-year average. Moving on to pulses, in North American peas are coming into Europe at the moment to avoid the tariff war, which could put pressure on the green and feed peas in the coming weeks. Recent rain is delaying what everyone thought would be an early bean harvest. The bean market is stagnant at present, waiting for beans to be cut, but there is healthy consumer demand. Average winter bean yield indicated 1.5 tonnes to the acre. Prices this week... Wheat, September 179 to 181, November 182 to 184, and May 19, 186 to 188. Milling premiums are 14 to 16 pounds, dependent on area and quality. Oilseed rape, 318 to 322 for September, 
and November 323 to 327. There is limited carry going forward. Barley, feed barley for September is 167 to 169, and November 170 to 172. Again, limited carry going forward. Malting premiums are circa £30 for November-December, dependent on quality and area. Beans for September, £185. November, £195. Early bids on human consumption for winter beans are circa £22 to £27, but low volumes are being traded at present. Thank you, Kit. Kit Dickinson from Openfield. The heatwave and long dry spell is all but a distant memory, though actually its effects are still being felt, particularly in agriculture, none more so than with our potato farmers. Let's get an update from Colin Jackson at PJP. How are things, Colin? Yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah put potatoes um, under pressure, certainly. Um, we obviously had actually quite a wet spring, so it's, it's quite ironic that... Um, Rainfall levels are actually not that far below average um, at the moment, but it's just the fact that we had such a prolonged dry period. Um, uh, last time we were talking, we were sort of just really getting affected by it, but uh, since then uh, we had a sort of further probably four weeks of very, very dry weather, um, just as the crop is really trying to put on weight. Um, so it certainly meant that uh, yields are down. Um, still yet to really be seen by how much and it's quite interesting that um, a lot of growers are still waiting for burn down now because the crop is putting on weight since these rains that we've had over this last sort of 10 days a fortnight Um, and uh, a lot of the later main crops are taking advantage of that and are actually building weight quite nicely at the moment Um, so uh, so really a, a, a tale of two halves of the season very much. So that's a, it's a good sign then, if they, you know they are still putting this weight on. That's good. Yes, that's right. I mean, what we found was um, that sort of during the real high um, parts of the summer, we found that uh, the crop was um, almost waiting for the rain to come along. So it didn't die back as hard. You know, some of the second early crops did die back, but a lot of the these main crops that we're talking about at the moment just were almost waiting for the weather to um, to come along. Um, and uh, now the rains did finally come, they have indeed taken advantage of it. We read there could be a potato shortage this year because of the weather, there might be issues later in the year. Is is there anything in that? Yes, there is. Um, There is no doubt that the crop is going to be lighter than last season. Um, Last season there was a surplus of crop. Indeed, we're still using some old-season potatoes even now, and I think we will do even into September there'll be certain uh, of last year's crops still being used in supermarkets and uh, and certain amounts of processing so uh, so yes there is definitely a shortage how much that will be will be interesting to see i mean obviously once we get round after christmas into sort of february and march time that's when imports can start coming in and um I would imagine, well, I I know that there are a certain amount of um, the Mediterranean countries who are planting extras uh, to try and take advantage of a um, shortage. It's not just in the UK, remember, it's right across northern Europe. They've had very similar weather conditions. So um, in that meantime, I do think we'll see that um, there will definitely be a, a, a shortfall and prices will remain high. As you say, I mean, it, you know, it has been even even hotter on the mainland Europe, hasn't it? In northern Europe, particularly, so uh, so an impact there. What what are the current prices we're looking at? Well, realistically, sort of 
a, a good ordinary bagged white really starts with about a 300 pound point um now it does go up from there and um some processors mccain's for instance are actively trying to buy um, extra stock at the moment for uh, for their own use and uh, so the prices for processing are also at about £300, which is a tremendously high price for this time of year, probably in the region of at least three times what you would expect to be paying at this time of the year. Um, and prices are going up even you know, from there. I mean, certain export quality potatoes are now um, £450 a tonne for those. So again, you know, dramatically higher than we would normally see traditionally at this point. What about quality at the moment? Quality is actually better than people were anticipating. Um, traditionally, if you get a dry period like this, you would normally see quite a lot of scab. Um, and actually, only about 50% of the crop in the UK is irrigated. So, um, But we are seeing scab levels less than were predicted. So um, so quality looks pretty reasonable. And uh, as I say, the, uh, the size is improving towards the end. So um, I think we may be very short of the, of the top-end bacon material this year. But... Um, uh, within reason, hopefully there'll be enough potatoes, even though we won't get that real big top quality of the of the top end. Finally, I know Mother Nature listens to the program. Um, what what would she be? What would be best for you from Mother Nature for the for the next few weeks? Well, probably continuing conditions that we're getting at the moment. So some rain showers, but not too much uh, to carry on going forward, because obviously we'll now be soon going into the point where we're harvesting for storage. Um, now, the worst thing that could happen is that we get a, a wet September and October uh, and the potatoes that have sort of built up will end up being sort of, you know, stay in the ground. Um, that would be a real big disaster for us. So uh, what we've got there now needs to come out in good condition. Oh, well, let's hope so. All right, Colin, thank you very much. OK, yep, cheers. Colin Jackson at PJP. Earlier we heard of the new expansion at Howsham Sprayers. Well, another business doing well is Clover Farm Services at Swineshead, especially with changes at Armatrack. Dwayne Clover is the MD there. We caught up with him, if you remember, towards the end of last year. So, uh, Dwayne, how has 2018 been so far? It's, it's going very well. And since our conversation, we had a conversation at Midlands Machinery Show in uh, November last year. Um, since then, we've attended lots and lots of different shows, but um, Armatrack one thing national sales uh just increasing all the time uh and on clover farm services side we've we've now met a lot of new people a lot of new customers uh, mainly with the, the type of tractors that we discussed before uh, we, we seem to suit the livestock sector really well um so our 1104 which is a 113 horsepower tractor fitted with a front end loader um seems to be our most popular uh, item at the moment and uh, for value for money and, and, and doing the right job it's working out really well and so. it, do, it does feel like certainly speaking to, to a few people that this year seems to have been the year where uh, it's kind of turning people are showing a real interest and orders are coming in now yeah they are I mean we didn't know no, nobody knew how the year, year was going to be mm. uh, we understand from uh, some of the manufacturers and companies that things are a little bit more difficult maybe the top end of the scale they're not spending so much money you know hundreds two hundred three hundred thousand pounds but on the end of where we're sort of less than forty thousand pounds uh, it makes it more affordable um and uh, again um the same feedback we're getting all the time is that they don't want to be paying for something that they don't need and so yeah there's a lot of tractors out there now 
Uh, then the other thing, Sean, is kind of exciting news. That yes, since, I was going to say, it's been an exciting time. Really. <laughs> yeah, so, we're, so we've, we've had a bit of a change, is that uh, from last time when I spoke to you, um, Armatrack was actually um, taken over, bought out, if you like to call it, by the world's largest tractor manufacturer. Uh, that tractor manufacturer sells over 250,000 tractors a year worldwide. Uh, and that is a company, an Indian company called Mahindra. So they are very, very big. They're a very big global company, uh, and they seem to have plenty to spend. So already um, they they want to retain the Armatrack brand and push it forward. So there's no changes there, except they've pumped a lot of money into R&D at the factory. Um, they're putting a new production line in there too, so that they're going to cope for um, the extra units that's going to be sold. Research and development is going to be into uh, different products, maybe more horsepower is what we're asking for. Um, and uh, and also at the same time, um, they want to, as I say, want to push the Armatrack brand. So they've uh, bought a uh, Tur- Turkey's largest farm machinery manufacturer. Uh, so that'll be some excellent that's sort of hot off the press is that um, probably sometime this year uh, that we will be getting uh, farm machinery that will be branded uh, armor track uh, to suit the tractors and the main news really is is watch this space for Lama uh, because we have got a huge indoor stand at Lama um, and it's 2,000 square meters so it is massive and at that point uh, I urge people to come and see us mm. because everything that's going to be new, everything that'll be launched 2019 will all be there and it'll be really interesting for everybody to see actually what's going on behind the scenes. The, the, the takeover is, or the, 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 the sell, sale if you like, it's good news for, for obviously Armatrack. What does it mean for you on the ground? What, what does it actually mean for, for Clever Farm Services? It's, it's exciting. Um, you know, as I said before, we're a family um, so I'm lucky enough to have my children working with me I say children they're getting a bit bit old making me feel a bit older um, but um, it, it gives them something to 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 get the teeth into as well uh, we're we're providing something that we still think that's missing we're, we're still got to grow and expand people still don't realize what we're doing and for us to have something you know that's dropped on us that we can just continuously look forward to and hearing all the different things that's going on it's just exciting exciting plans Dwayne clover there at clover farm services the farming program five-day forecast it looks like being an unsettled week ahead uh, today certainly uh, some rain possible this uh, low pressure it's been sweeping across the UK over the last few hours, expected to uh, come across our part of the world. Uh, we're looking at highs of around 20 Celsius later, that wind from the southwest, uh, 10 to 20 miles an hour. Overnight tonight, uh, should be dry but cloudy. We've got lows of around 15 Celsius, it's still quite humid. The wind more from the northwest at about 10 to 15 miles an hour. Some sunshine to start the new week, though there will be some rain later in the day. 25 the high, so warmer. The wind from the west, 10 to 15 miles an hour. Then, as I say, a spell of rain in the evening should soon dry out, though. Quite a muggy night. 17 the low to start Tuesday. The wind from the west-southwest at 10 to 15 miles an hour. 
Overcast through Tuesday, perhaps some evening sunshine to come, 24 the high, the wind continuing from the west at 10 to 15 miles an hour. And then Tuesday into Wednesday, it's dry at first, still quite humid, 16 the low, the wind from the west-northwest at 5 miles an hour. And then into Wednesday itself, it looks like uh, another low pressure uh, sweeping across the country should hit us. Some rain could be heavy for a time through Wednesday, a little cooler as well, 17 or 18 the high, and the wind more from the north at about 5 miles an hour. Then the latter end of the week, remaining unsettled really. There could be some sunny spells, but there could be some heavy rain mixed in there as well. We're looking at highs, early 20s, overnight lows staying in their mid-teens. As ever, the uh, hourly forecast will keep you fully up to date. For now, though, that is the forecast. Now, you don't need me to tell you, whether in farming or just in our gardens, how damaging slugs can be. We actually don't know that much about them, though. And that's why the team at Harper Adams have started microchipping them. That's right, just like your pet dog or cat, slugs are now being microchipped. We know that they gather together in wet, moist areas in the field. Um, One of our professors call it um, a slug utopia, if you like. But we don't know how long they stay in these patches. We don't know how permanent they are. We don't know how they're moving between them. We get it to the point where it will say reading. And then when you find the microchip, it makes that noise. And then on the screen, there's a number. So exactly the same with Emily's version of the scanner. Each slug basically gets a number. It gets an identity. So what she can do is she can go out into the night, which is when they're mostly active, um, and just basically use her scanner like a metal detector would, and then she'll get the numbers coming through. And that way she can go out in general intervals throughout the night and be able to find the slugs in the field and see how far they've moved in that time period. We'll find out all about it on the programme next week. Until then... Have a good week's farming.